Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. Nick Lacapo joins me via Skype to discuss the featured download of the week from Chad Long. In the main event, I am joined by Kyle Purnell for a deep discussion of the development of magic and being a creator. But before all that, Mario the Maker Magician joins me for the top five under five. Mario the Maker Magician, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for the top five under five. I'm so excited to do this because I know I sprung this on you. Give me your top five tricks in under five minutes. Hit me with number five. Oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, right off the bat, when I think of tricks, I'm thinking of making a living. That's the first thing that comes to my brain. Not something that's just like a one-page thing where you do it for three months and then you throw it out. I'm talking about routines that can entertain from young all the way to old. Like Whit Hayden's four-ring routine, right off the bat. Whit Hayden's four-ring routine, you learn that, you could do it at a preschool, you could do it at a senior center. It's all built, even the joke's all written in there. Pick up that routine, boom, you got something that will hold on for 30 years in your life. Same with... Oh man, it's a solid routine. It's a really great four ring routine that just like, it's so funny. And I've seen so many variations on it that you can, it's one of those great routines that the premise is something you can make your own. Oh, 100%. And for me, like I know there's styles in magic, just like there is in music and there's themes and there's things that are cheesy and run away from the rings. That's cool. I'm down with that. But for me, it's like I want to pay my bills at the end of the month. So I know the core principle routines that I got to take for these certain situations. And they've helped me out for 12, 13 years while I was developing my robots and all that stuff. That Whit Hayden routine was gold. That I, was gold. I love the um, idea of a chaotic robot maker is also super pragmatic. So. <laughs> So yeah, Win Aidens, you know, I, I, I'm thinking along the lines of making a living in a real life situation. What are the five routines? You know, Win Aidens, like I said earlier, Eugene Berger has a, a, a SpongeBob routine okay. in one of his books. I, that I, That's a great, uh, a great routine, especially if we put it at number four. And I'll never forget, I, I heard an interview with him where he... Uh, Max Maven asked him, why do you still do that? Do you want to be seen as somebody who carries around the little red balls? And so we took it out of his act for a while, and it was so strong and so many people loved it that he actually put it back in, wow. even though he didn't want to do it. Uh, but it's wow. still such a solid routine. What a what a great story. And you know, Eric, that's a great example of like, do you care about what people think? Or do you care or does the audience create the performer kind of moment, you yeah. know? And like, and there's a surrender there. There's a surrender there where you have to make that choice. And for me, I changed the sponge balls into tomatoes for a season. You know, I yeah. changed them into hand-carved roses. You know, I, and now I use clown noses in my show in a homage to great, you know, physical comedy like Bill Irwin and George Carl. Like, you know, um, so there's something classic about the red ball, you know? Absolutely. Um, uh, okay, so, so yeah, we've got so, the ring yeah. routine. We've got Eugene Berger's uh, sponge balls. Give me number three. Yeah. <laughs> number three. <laughs> number three. Number three for me. It's just a standard double lift, you know? Absolutely. Just like a, you can do so much. You know, like just a standard double lift is the, it's kind of like the ollie in skateboarding, you yeah. know? It's like you learn how to ollie in skateboarding. That's the basis of every trick, yeah. you know? So, so I like that because that opens the doors to many other tricks. Maybe I'm cheating a little by not saying a routine, but a move. No, that's fine. But, I mean, the double lift is a, it's a, I've always focused so hard on it because uh, it's such an easy move to do badly. I think that's a Simon Lovell quote. Uh, but it's I, it's one of those things that definitely I come back to over and over again, and I go, how can I make this better? How can I make this better? And even though I don't do it in too many routines, when I do need it, it is such a solid solid move. Yeah, yeah. And what did you say? What did Simon say? Because I want to hear that again. Uh, it's the the double lift is the easiest move to do badly. <laughs> 
it's great. It's great. All right. It's true. It's true. Let's move on. Give me number two. Okay. So number two, number two, I, right off the bat, because I'm thinking cards, Chicago opener. Oh. Chicago opener. Really good. Really good. I mean, come on. It's just you don't even have to speak the same language as the person next to you. You could do that in a different country and still make that magic moment happen. You know, it's Um, it's uh, really sort of harkens back to that, like old school Chicago, like wham, bam magic that wasn't like polite and refined. It was just like, get in, get the effect, get out, get the money. It's like, yeah, really where it is. All right. That brings us to number one. Your number one trick. Mario the maker. You got to choose one. What's your number one? Oh, you're killing me. All right, so my number one trick, what am I going to do? I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Don Allen's Chop Cup, you oh, know? I, I, a beautiful I just, routine. Another routine where you don't need language as a barrier. You just, there's so many more. I have a robotic lamp in my show, a little robot lamp that has a tin can, and it does an homage to Don Allen with the Chop Cup. It's a ball that co- gets covered, the lamp lifts it up, it vanishes, and uh, it's just one of those routines. And Don Allen's like one of my heroes with that you know i love watching videos of how he performed you know those are five fantastic routines i understand why they're in your list mario the maker magician thanks so much for joining us for the top five under five thanks for having me eric thanks so much to mario for joining me for the top five under five which is brought to you by shazam the podcast that hopes to make itself obsolete the november 9th episode features suzanne the magician talking theories on restaurant magic horse training to practice audience management and more we love everything kayla is doing over there so be sure to give it a listen on to the main event. Kyle Purnell is something of an underground force in the world of magic. I've been at a number of conventions where someone has dragged me across the room to witness one of Kyle's most recent effects. Developing such unique and original effects has a method to the miracles, and if you've ever wanted to peek inside the mind of how a creator sets about his business, this is some must-listen-to advice from Kyle Purnell. And now you get to join our conversation. Kyle Purnell, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. We just finished filming uh, three different downloads with you, which was very cool. Cool. And they were all very different and and wildly creative. I'd never really seen anything like them before. Uh, you create a lot of magic, don't you? Uh, yeah, I would say I would say I do. <laughs> That's kind of a weird thing to, to to say, I suppose. But yeah, I it's one of it's kind of my. Uh, magic itself is my passion, but uh, kind of the 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 sub passion would be creating magic. Uh, it's just something that literally wakes me up in the morning sometimes. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because you're, I mean, you're playing with with neat things. There's a, uh, you know, I think we filmed two, but really three different dollar bill effects, and I guess a lot of people who listen to this podcast would probably be interested to know how you actually go about effect creation because I, I know I, I don't quite like sit down to create as many. I'm not as prolific as a lot of other people, uh, but I, I know that when I like, uh, it sort of evolves over time, but but. You create a lot of stuff, and so I guess I'm kind of wondering, uh, and I think other people would would want to know sort of what is your process for that. Yeah, so it's it's kind of tricky, and I think a lot of people talk about the creative process in terms of being very linear, and I don't think in terms of that. So I don't think first I do this, and then I do this, and then I do this. Um, and I and I know there's a, a lot of uh, literature out there about how to foster creativity, uh, and I don't necessarily uh, subscribe to a lot of that either. I'm, and I, I'm not saying it's uh, it's not good or it's wrong, uh, but that's just not how my brain works. Uh, the way I usually describe it is that my I, I think more in terms of um, more in terms of a scale. Uh, so so if you think of those traditional balance scales, mm-hmm. uh, I always try to. Uh, think of one side as my priorities, 
uh, for any given effect. And the other side, I think of the sacrifices that I'm willing to make to make the effect happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And so obviously in magic, there's no perfect method. A perfect method would be actual magic, which I haven't quite attained yet. And so yet being the key word yet. Yes. Uh, so, uh, so in my mind, I'm always trying to look at this scale and I'm going to see the six, uh, the scale as a success. If the priority side is lower than the sacrifice side. Mm. And uh, so I, I'll, I'll see if I can come up with a, a good example here. Um, so let, so, okay, so let's go with um, a pencil through bill. Yeah, so, and actually, uh, we can sort of discuss this one more openly because uh, we filmed an effect with you, and yeah. this is sort of a, a delightful little bonus that shows up in it. And it's a, it's a really neat... Uh, visual, I should say, because I've never quite seen a, a pencil through bill like this that is A, visual, and B, uh, uh, gimmick free. So there, there's some really interest. I'm very interested to hear how this, this came about. Yeah. So if we think about the scale um, of what I want in a pencil through bill or a pen through bill or really just any object through bill, right? So I'm going to go to my priority side and I'm going to see, okay, so first of all, uh, to me, it needs to be impromptu mm-hmm. for me because I'm just bad at locating gimmicks and maintaining gimmicks, keeping track of gimmicks. Uh, I I'm, hear you. It's, it's <laughs> funny. I feel like the people who become some of the better sleight of hand artists are really ones who are just horrific at pocket management. <laughs> well, it, you know, creativity breeds necessity, right? Yeah. Or necessity breeds creativity. And it's one of those, uh, you know, it's one, one of those things. I'm not a gimmick guy, uh, by and large. Uh, there's some exceptions of course, but, um, this is, so when so when I'm doing a pencil through bill, let let's just talk about the, the like the grand master uh, pencil through bill, which would be misled, right? Yeah. Uh, unequivocally, the best one in mm-hmm. my opinion. Uh, so you've got all these different advantages, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a great illusion. Uh, it's it packs small, plays big. Like these are all uh, great things. Uh, it's multi phased. One uh, little gimmick can do two very different effects Mm -hmm. which is very cool but the sacrifice of course is that you do need a gimmick Mm -hmm. and you can't show both sides of the bill you're limited to and you're limited to a specific pencil it's got to be a specific color so everything blends in and so for me those sacrifices outweigh the priorities Mm -hmm. just for me yeah um so so now i'm going to my my personal scale so i my priorities are it's got to be impromptu Mm -hmm. you've got to be able to show both sides Mm -hmm. um before, during, and after the penetration. Mm-hmm. It's gotta be completely examinable at the end, so no even like uh, rips that are counterintuitively away from where it apparently went through, mm-hmm. right? And so those, so those are kind of my, uh, my priorities there. Uh, oh, and I also wanna be able to do it with multiple objects. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, that, not, so not just a pencil. You so could also not do, just a pencil. You could also do it with a big pen. You could do it with a uh, knife. You, know. you can do it with a coffee stir. You can do it with a folded up bill. Yeah. Uh, you, you can do it with a b- bunch of things, right? Mm-hmm. So let's go over to the, the sacrifice side of the scale. So my sacrifice here is, okay, if I'm going to tick all those priority boxes, uh, what sacrifice am I willing to make? So uh, I was playing with methods that make all those uh, those boxes be ticked, uh, mm-hmm. for lack of better words. And... I found uh, a method that works, but in order to do that, I do need to make a sacrifice. And the sacrifice is, ready for this, mm-hmm. uh, you have to fold the bill twice instead of just once. Mm-hmm. And so the effect is that it's going through two layers of bill instead of just one. Mm-hmm. That's no skin off my nose. 
I'm yeah. fine with that. I think it actually may even make the effect stronger. And so with that sacrifice out of the way, I'm able to make it impromptu, examinable at the end, no rips, no tears. I'm able to show both sides in all those uh, times during the effect, beginning, middle, and end. It takes all those boxes. It's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. So that means that scale is very much uh, heavier on the priority side. So that means that I found a method that works for me and I'm ready to uh, work it. You know, it's, it's interesting when I start to like, when I think about pen, like we're using pencil through bill as uh, an example here of looking at different like uh, priorities versus sacrifices. And I think of the pencil through bill that I have always turned to over the years is the Jay Sankey one with the post-it note. Mm -hmm. uh, are you familiar with this particular one? I am. Yes. Okay. So I guess we can't, we will give the same deference to Jay that we gave to uh, the misled in that we won't talk methods. But right. when I think about this, the one advantage to yours that it has is that it has one fold. The bill is only right. folded in half once. But then we look at the sacrifice, which is we have to introduce another object, which is the the post-it note exactly. to cover the dirty work. And so the question now becomes, am I okay? Am I, am I okay with this sacrifice, whereas I don't have to do a more complex folding process, uh, which uh, would be in your uh, bill? And... I, I, I sort of get to the point where I'm not sure if one is better than the other. That's and, exactly and I, right. I start looking at where are my, my sacrifices versus my priorities in the context that I'm performing in. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. And that's why I guess it's important to um, to say that this is not necessarily a universal scale. Like this is a personal scale to every performer. Um, so 100% agree. There is not... Uh, well, I... I would say broad scheme, there are definitely um, some superior methods and some inferior methods. But uh, when you get to a certain point uh, to and you kind of weed, weeded out uh, methods that aren't probably quite as good, uh, there's not one be all end all method really for any given premise, plot, whatever you want to call it. They're all very valid and it's all based on what you want. I can totally understand if somebody doesn't want to fold a, a bill twice. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it definitely has a better clarity when it's only folded once, but you do have to have that post note around, which means you have to carry it around and, and the post notes could get you know uh, wrinkled up in your pockets. And, mm -hmm. and th those things that I don't want to necessarily have to worry about because then I have to worry about pocket management and where I'm going to keep those post notes, but that's where I usually keep another prop. Mm -hmm. And that's just a bunch of things I don't really want to have to worry about. Um, so in this case, I literally just borrow both objects uh, and go for it. So it so it fits my needs for my personal scale, and that's really all I'm looking for. When you start to appro approach this, so when you you get in there, are you weighing the necessities and the sacrifices sort of constantly throughout the process, or are you sort of like playing with a bunch of different things yeah. and then going back and reevaluating? Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show was brought to you by the Wall from Chad Long. Nick LaCapo joined me via Skype to talk about this insanely visual card production. Nick, I know that basically these commercials are just an opportunity for us to continue to talk about Chad Long. I, you know, I hadn't, I, I thought that might be the case, but now it's confirmed. It, this is just the Chad Long segment. Let's talk about the yeah. wall. The feature download of the week is the wall, which is so good. Uh, look, you can buy any Chad Long download, but this one... You know, does it? Do you have to see this in person before you get the download, Eric? Oh, I can't. Like, so Chad and I worked the castle together last year, and my family 
comes up to me like right after my shows and they're like have you seen the guy who pulls the cards out of the wall and i was like yeah. do you mean chad long and they were like i they couldn't believe it it looks so good it's stupid good and that's exactly what i'm talking about because when i saw him do this the first time i my brain melted right and i think that's the regular uh feeling that everybody gets but when we put it on download, when came, we finally got it on Penguin, I was so excited. And I just found that a lot of the people that I talked to about Magic just like watched the video, watched the demo and were like, oh, okay, looks, looks kind of cool. I'm like, no, you have no idea. This is like the best trick you've ever seen. So I feel like, I feel like it's just got that disconnect a little bit where people don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm totally fine if no one picks it up this week so that I can do it by myself and, and freak people out. But Hold no, on, it's so good. Tell everybody you, what it is? Yeah. So what it is is Chad, like, sh- walks up to a wall and he reaches, like, into the wall and pulls a card out of it. And I know that that is such a basic explanation, but he, like, actually pulls a That's card out of the is. wall. It looks, yeah, it looks like a gimmick, madness. but it's not. Yeah, well, he, and he, but he does have a couple of extra things that he can use to enhance the effect, right, yeah. which he talks about on the download. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, honestly, this is one of the, the coolest magic tricks I've seen in person in the last, you know, 20 years. Yeah. You know, like, if I had to make that theoretical list, I'm sure the wall would be on it because the first time you see it, 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 it just wrecks you so hard. Oh, and I don't know. Maybe it only can be done live, but uh, yeah, it's... these people... If you don't know, you you gotta no, you gotta, like you gotta track down Chad. Hop over, hop over to PenguinMagic.com and check out just a trailer. Because when you watch Chad pull that card out of the wall, you're gonna be like, oh, well, clearly that's a camera trick, and it's not. Like it looks that good it in real life. It's amazing. It's insane. Oh man, oh the, the wall. Pick it up. Check it out. It's worth your attention. That was the wall by Chad Long. And hey, as a special thanks to listening to this show, I'm going to give you 25% off this week's featured download when you enter the discount code PenguinPod at checkout. That's PenguinPod, P-E-N-G-U-I-N-P-O-D, all one word, and you'll receive 25% off the wall. That code is only good until the next episode of the podcast drops. Now, back to my conversation with Kyle Purnell. When you start to approach this, so when you you get in there, are you weighing the necessities and the sacrifices sort of constantly throughout the process? Or are you sort of like playing with a bunch of different things and then going back and reevaluating? Yeah, it's one of those things that... uh in the in the moment i don't necessarily like have like keep a running checklist of okay mm-hmm. so like is is, it, is this my sacrifice is this my priority uh but uh, you know it doing this so many uh years i'm sure you can relate to this as well uh you just you kind of get to know yourself and what you value and uh so f- for me, when I get to a certain point on something, uh, I know exactly at a point where I'm like, this is no good. I am going to do a U-turn and go back around uh, to the last point that I did like when developing this effect. And then I'm going to try going the other route uh, to see if I like that better. It sort of reminds me a little bit of uh, the Garrett Thomas's Opus project, his ring and coin mm. study. Where he, which is, I think is a really interesting product that everybody should look at, uh, especially if they want to create because... Uh, Garrett goes through step by step the moves in his uh, coin to ring routine, which is beautiful. But he also steps through all of the different decisions he made and, yes. the, and the different like he goes, hey, 
he documented every step of it, which was interesting because I don't think any of us really document as much of our creative process as we should. Probably, yeah, and absolutely. One of the amazing things about the video is that he goes, I used to do this, but the sacrifices are uh, X, Y, and Z. And so I changed to do this because of uh, A, B, and C reason. And this is what I got out of it, and this is what I didn't. And it, it strikes me as a more... And I'm comparing your process to Garrett's because this strikes me as a more analytical way to look at creativity, whereas mm-hmm. I hear other people just like flinging stuff against a wall. <laughs> you're going, you're looking at more of the creativity as an engineering problem than a uh, an an idea problem, or an idea generation problem. I guess you you know what I I could almost see that actually because. You know, there. You know, I've I've been very fortunate that a lot of people do uh, use the creative term when talking about me, which mm-hmm. is is amazing. And um, but it's really odd because outside of this like method creating process, mm-hmm. I don't know how creative I actually am. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we'll 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 be doing you know like I don't know like a group project at work or, or something or like I'm trying to uh, figure out new activities for my students because I work at a school and I'm like man I'm blanking I, I can't think of what else to do yeah. you know it's I, I think the system very much uh, I, I would tend to agree even though again outside the system I wouldn't even call myself very analytical or engineering minded either mm-hmm. uh, it's very specific to this uh, that I, I do kind of have this uh, kind of intrinsic uh, mental checklist that I just keep going through. And as long as that side of the scale is down, uh, that's, uh, and again, I don't necessarily always think in terms of this physical scale, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's just a a way of me trying to, uh, explain it, uh, explain how I I kind of feel when I go through this process. Do you apply the same kind of process to the presentations and the, the scripting for your effects? Absolutely. Uh, again, not, not necessarily, uh, bam, boom, 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 but, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the I I'll, I'll go through uh, the script and I know exactly what I uh, like and what won't fly for me. Um, so, for example, like anytime I find myself self-narrating, it's immediately out, right? Because that's a sacrifice I'm not willing to make. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so self-narration is a difficult thing to stop doing. It is. Uh, or and let's say let's go even go for. Uh, a bunch of hack lines, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're all guilty of it. I still probably do two or three of them, which I don't like, but, uh, by and large, that's a sacrifice I'm not willing to make because it doesn't set me apart, uh, from other magicians that they may have seen or will see in the future. So one, uh, a big priority of mine that, that carries a lot of weight in this mental scale is how am I going to set myself apart from a lot of other uh, performers that they might see? Um, so that goes a lot into, uh, the scripting that I do. So I, I kind of, uh, often phrase things differently. I put a, a lot of weird intonations, uh, into, uh, my, my performance and I might get uh, louder or softer at unexpected times, uh, to kind of throw people off and, and, and kind of give those, these little, uh, moments to uh latch on to 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 remember right because because we know that spectators like remember images right Mm -hmm. uh and so that obviously goes into that scale process too when coming up with uh coming up with a method but regarding presentation uh 
it's not nearly as a visual of a process. So they can't really necessarily, they won't necessarily remember an image of your presentation. So if you can kind of put other things in there that are going to be like little anchors so they can remember uh, not only what you did, but also what you said, uh, that's going to be, I think, really helpful as well. It's interesting you talk about intonation and uh, pausing and, and, and doing that. Does, does your training as a speech therapist uh, play into this? Uh, as you're creating stuff? Or I'm going to say probably not. Maybe you're intuiting some of it a little bit just because yeah. you, you, you do you do work in, in that realm every day. But, uh, perhaps. But you're, but you're not using that training specifically the way no. other, other people might with certain things. No, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely not a direct correlation. But, uh, you know, being in that field, mm -hmm. you, you do have to be hyper aware of, uh, you know, intonation, mm -hmm. voice, articulation, fluency, mm -hmm. uh, and those kind of things. So yeah, I like the word you used. Uh, it might be more uh, just kind of ingrained and mm -hmm. intuitive uh, at this point, yeah. Well, uh, Kyle Purnell, thanks so much for sharing this, uh, this talk and creativity with us. I really appreciate it and can't wait to have you back. Absolutely, can't wait to be back. Thanks so much. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks to Kyle for the great conversation, and thanks to you for listening. Kyle has some insanely visual magic coming down the pipeline that you are not going to want to miss. On the show next week is underground legend Jeremiah Zuo. You probably recognize him from his hit Penguin Magic live lecture where he features some incredible and amazing coin magic. Jeremiah is a magician with some serious chops that will blow your brain out your backside, and yet he insists he is not a magician, he is just a fan. You'll find out why on next week's show. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform that you gossip with people about your neighbors on. If you wanted to hit me up about anything on this week's show, you can meet me on the map coordinates that I just stamped on your hand with my custom double-cross gimmick. Oh, oh man, I don't, I don't have a punchline for that joke. That's just a really cool idea. Someone get on making that. Uh, but hey, if doing amazing magic isn't your thing, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform.